on behalf of the media ministry of the Central Church of God. Thank you for purchasing a recording of our Sunday worship service. It is our prayer that the anointed message of our pastors and lay ministers will not only bring encouragement to you, but inspire you as well to a greater love and service for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Beth reminded me that I forgot to tell folks if you are purchasing tickets, you need to put it in an envelope and turn it in so that they can be bought. Because once we do buy those tickets and you sign your name that you will be going, you're going to get a bill. <laughs> Because the church will be buying those tickets. So please help us out in that. This is not my message, but I want to share something with you. Uh, Romans chapter 9. If you want to turn in your Bibles, you can do so. Romans chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. Romans 9, 19 through 23. Just for your hearing, hear this. Thou wilt say then unto me, Why doth he yet find fault? For who has resisted his will? Meaning God's will. Who has stood against God? Don't they know who he is? So who can resist God is what Paul is trying to say here. No, but, O oh man, who are you that replies against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Why did you make me the way that I made? He's the potter, we're the clay. Has not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God, willing to show his wrath, and to make his power known, endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath filled to destruction. Now, this simply says those that resist God and fight against God, uh, God says he's long suffering toward them. What is the purpose of his long suffering? That they might come to their senses and realize they need God. And they need to surrender their lives to the Lord. But verse 23, and that he might make known the riches of his glory, not only his long-suffering toward those that are out of his safety realm of grace, but those who are in it, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which is you and I, which he had afore prepared unto glory. Now, some months ago I was reading this, and, and I was stirred to do just some looking at it a little bit. So uh, Paul is unveiling the mystery of God, whereby he makes known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy. I came across what one minister, I think, said, and I can relate to this. So I want to share his words. I want you to feel my heart in this as well. One of the greatest advantages of being a pastor and laboring to understand God's word and take joy over it 
in preaching is that I must stand before people week after week. People whose children have died or worse are spiritually dead. People whose spouses are critically ill or worse spiritually hard. People whose health is failing. Whose jobs are in jeopardy. Whose finances are strapped. Who battle depression or love someone who does. Who knows from experience that the world, the real world, where they live is shot through with sin and suffering and futility. I said it is a great advantage to me as a pastor who is called to understand and teach and rejoice over the Word of God, to do it in this context of life. I can't be neutral about great realities that matter in people's lives. There's too much at stake every week for us to entertain ourselves with trivialities or platitudes. Life is hard, and you don't come here to hear me speculate or give my opinion and offer pep talks to divert your attention from your problems. In this context of real live people of all kinds and real pain every week, the big truths of God's, the Bible, either help or they don't. In this covenant community of suffering people, the problem of pain and the problem of evil and the truth of God's sovereignty are never far away. So wherever your need is, the truth of God's sovereignty and God's ability come together to meet. So that's why we're here today. Every one of us has got something going on in our life. Uh, Brian, this has some echo in it. If you will, please take it out for me. And we all need to know God is able to help us. Whatever the pain, whatever the difficulty, whatever the dilemma is that we go through, and there's a whole lot of stuff. But God wants to meet us where our greatest need is. I want you to receive that this morning. So here's the text for my message today. You can turn in your Bibles. I was advised by one of my faithful members, I don't give you time to find it, so I'm giving you time to find it this morning. 2 Samuel chapter 23, 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 through 12. I'll repeat one more time, 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 through 12. Now, the reason I go into it, because it's always on the screen, so if you're not turning in your Bibles, you can read from the screen this morning. This is the New King James Version. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Joshab, Bashemeth, the Tachmonite, chief among the captains. He was called Adino the Ezrite, Esnite, because he had killed 800 men at one time. Mighty man. And after him was Eliezer, the son of Dodo, the Ahohite. One of the three mighty men with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel had retreated. He arose and attacked the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand stuck to the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day and the people returned after him only to plunder. And after him was Shammah the son of Aji the Hararite. 
the Philistines had gathered together into a troop where there was a piece of ground full of lentils. So the people fled. Now, second time we hear this, the people ran away from the Philistines. But he, Shammah, stationed himself, meaning King James says, he stood right smack dab in the middle of the field. He defended it, killed the Philistines, but it didn't give credit to Shammah. Notice what it says. So the Lord wrought about a great victory. Now someone says, wow, look what God did. And somebody answered that, yeah, but he couldn't do it alone. He had somebody to help him get it done. It's always God, whether with you or without you, that will bring forth a great victory in each of our lives. And I think it's important to understand what Shama learned that day. You were the element, the instrument of God, but it was God who really brought forth a great victory. Don't take credit for it. Give the praise and the glory to God. And then 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 13 through 15. Now all Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph in the midst of the assembly. And he said, Listen, all you of Judah... And you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you. Say the latter part of this verse with me, please. Do not be afraid nor dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. I know that's been preached time and time again, and it'll still come forth again and again and again. Because God wants to get the message to us. It is not your battle. If you're fighting for God, it is always God's battle, and He fights to win. Amen. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago a statement that I want to bring back to you this morning. It says, life for the believer. How many believers are in the house today? A believer, a child of God, a born-again Christian. Life for the believer in this 21st century, meaning life in the real world, can be described as living in the tension of faith. Again, as one person noted in describing this aspect of our living today. He said, there are times of confusion and struggling that can almost take you down or put you down for the ten count. Remember, I made that statement two weeks ago. There are almost times of confusion that settle in on the believer's life as well as the unbeliever that brings forth struggling, in essence, that can almost take you out in those times I know if you've been there you can relate to that your energy level isn't up it's not where it needs to be at that moment your emotional stamina has been zapped right out of you your spiritual passion for the things of God is not a roaring fire but it's simply a low burning ember and guess what in those times we seem to be bordering on that 
sickness that Jesus addressed in Revelation to the Laodicean church. He says, you're neither hot nor cold, but you're lukewarm. Those are the real times in our lives that come to us that we have to face up to it. Our faith is being stretched beyond limits to a breaking point. And when we're at that place, it is at those times when we are coming near the end. I want that's key to understanding what I'm preaching today. You're almost at the end of the struggle. You've endured. You've stood strong. You've made it through all that has yet come before you. And you're at the, at the point of exhaustion. Coming to the end of a great trial. It is then we're confronted with a choice. The choice either to give in to the struggle. What's the use? Give in to all the confusion that is surrounding you. I'm talking to somebody in this house today. Give up. Because that's real life where you are. It's at that point you're not believing what the book says, but you're believing what you see. And what you see seems to be what you feel is real to you at that moment. So what do you do? You give in to the temptation. Run away. Just run away from it. You don't have to deal with it anymore. It's not worth the struggle anymore. So just give up and run away. That's a choice. And as I look back over even this year, I begin to think of people who ran away. And you know them as well. Could not endure. Because Jesus says, Blessed are those who endure to the end, for they will be the ones saved. You're not there yet, so the end's not yet, so we got to keep enduring to get to the end. So you got a choice. You're going to run away from it? Well, you always have. You'll always do that until somewhere, somehow, God says, It's time for you to put the brakes on. It's time for you to become accountable to what you have done to bring about this situation. And perhaps see if you can't begin to remedy some of the hurts that you're feeling now. Amen? Some of the conflict that's going on. What part did you have in the play of the conflict? We don't want to face up to our responsibility. So when we don't, We'll run away. But there's another choice we can make. We will decide, I'm going to come on through this trial. I'm going to come to the end of it. Why? Because the end of the trial is where victory has been proclaimed already. Victory is not going to come about. It's already come about. Amen. Through the death and resurrection of Jesus. So God is waiting on me to arrive at the end of the trial. And begin to receive the results of what Jesus has already done for us. Someone said it like this. All of us have off days. Anybody know what that means? All of us have those days. And even if we are the happiest people on the planet, we will generally admit to feeling like, Life is pointless on those odd occasions. Most of us still feel that on the whole, for the most part, 
Life is a glorious gift and full of surprises. It's only when this feeling of pointlessness and hopelessness continues when you permanently feel, now there's the key, when you feel fed up with life that something is wrong. If you don't enjoy life itself, then you'll stand to get little enjoyment out of anything you do. So here's the title of my message this morning. And God completely turned this thing around because it had a whole different title, whole different content. So listen up to this. When there's no let up and you feel fed up, don't run. It could be a setup. <laughs> Woo. In other words, when there seems to be no let up, Anybody relate to that? It just keeps on coming. And you're beginning to feel fed up with it all. Don't run. It could be a setup for a time when you will reap your harvest of faith. Seed has been sown. Reaping will come. Weeping may endure for a night. But joy still comes in the morning. Somebody say amen to God's word. You may be going through a hard time, but joy is on its way. Now, as I was doing research for this message, I came across a story of a young Christian mother. She had three preschool children. Anybody relate to that? Your time? Three children under the age of first grade. A husband who traveled. He never at home or very seldom, who had responsibilities outside the home as well. The mother did. And when she found herself being drained of spiritual, emotional, and physical energy. In other words, when she found herself living her life in the tension of faith. It's, it's about to believe me now. I can't endure much more of this. Well, this young mother sought one of the most unlikeliest places you could ever think of for the oasis of her soul. Listen to this. She wrote, My children's playpen stood in the middle of the muddle. So I put the kids out of the playpen. I climbed in, and I spent 15 blissful minutes a day talking with God. I've never heard of such in my life. I went searching for a mother climbing in a playpen, and I couldn't find one anywhere. So it may be unique to her. She went on to say, I used that time alone with him to sort out the muddle and to ask him to help me as a wife and mother to be of maximum worth to him. Here's the final part of the story. She says, After our eldest son was grown, he told me that he and his sister had learned to leave me alone when they saw me in their playpen with my Bible on my lap and a cup of English tea in my hand. Why was that? I asked him. He replied, Because we came to appreciate the fact that you were a whole lot nicer mother when you got out of the playpen than when you got in. (laughs) 
by sharing this story with you. I'm not suggesting, especially you who are young mothers, that you do as this mother did, climb into your child's playpen in order to read your Bible and spend some quality time with God. Even though it helped that mother and the kids to recognize she's better when she got out of it. What I'm saying is this, hear me. Every one of us in this room today, men and women alike, when there seems to be no let up of our troubles. I hear a lot of this, folks, and talking with people, visiting with them, and going with them through their different trials of life. No let up of the trouble. And we find ourselves getting fed up. Anybody know what that means? I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired. When we find ourselves being fed up, the temptation is always to run away. But hear me, what we need to do, as this young mother did, is just steal away somewhere and pray. Amen. You see, prayer will help us. Because having done all to stand, Paul says what? Stand, therefore, put on the whole armor of God. And when you do that, that will get you ready for a setup of greater things to come into your life. Steal away somewhere and pray. Take it to God in prayer before you get so fed up that you run away from family, from home. And hear me. People run away from God when they get fed up with life. They want to blame God for it, but really it's not God. It's life, real problems in life. And they relate to God. You didn't. You should have. Why didn't you? When God was saying, I was there all the time. But you wouldn't let me help you get through that. It was easier for you to run away than for you to stand your ground and defend what you know was true rather than what you see with your eyes and feel with your emotions. It goes on every day. People run away from jobs. They don't like their work. They don't like their boss. They don't like their, the fellow employees that they work with. So I'm looking for a better place. I mean, run away. They run away from their families. This marriage... It's not going anywhere. And, and I'm fed up with trying to be the peacemaker always in this marriage. So I'm looking for a better marriage. And they run away. And they run away from God and run away from the church as well. It bothers me when I see people running away from the church. Because we're not here to add extra weight on you. We're not here to make you feel like, hey, I've already got enough. Don't put more on me. I'm, we're here to tell you whatever you're going through, God is still able. He's still God, and He's ready to help you if you won't run away. Amen. So I want to talk to you this morning about the man in our text. So listen just for a few minutes. Man named Shama. Everybody else ran away. But he didn't. He stood his ground and defended it. 
And the Lord wrought a great victory for him. So a few minutes, think about him. Now, I looked him up and said, wow, I preached a few weeks ago, remember, on Jehovah Shammah, the same name. He's not just a God, he's God who has a name, is what I preached. And Jehovah Shammah meant what? The Lord is there. So I'm interested, what now? Here's a man who, who has that same name as Shammah. Does it mean the same? It sounds like it surely should. The Lord is there. Or he could not have stood his ground and defended it. But then I discovered in this instance, he's also called Shemiah in other places, S-H-I-M-E-A-H, who was the third son of Jesse, therefore the brother of King David, and one of the three mighty men that stood with David. So what does the name Shammah or Shemiah represent? Here's the name. It means loss. Now, when everybody's run away, you've lost everybody. They're no longer there. They're no longer dependable. They're no longer present to help you. So Shammah looked around when he should have been thinking, where are they? I, I can't do this by myself. But nobody is there with him. He's at a loss. Desolation. Astonishment. Bewilderment settles in on him. But he does something that is so unlike everybody else. Hear me, God's people are always a special, peculiar people, really. When everybody else can't handle the confusion, the struggling, somehow a real child of God gets a hold of himself or herself and their faith in God and said, I've run my last time. I'm not going to run away any longer. Now, you've got to get the picture here. David and his men are in the process of running. You understand the story? Old King Saul is after David. So he's running from one place to another, even to the point where he compromised with the enemy. And Shammah is there with David in this whole spirit of running, running, always running. Now, victories are being brought about as well because God had his hand on King David. But running is not the answer. Someone has to stop somewhere, somehow, and say, that's it. No more. Life has a lot of stuff that you'll get fed up with. But it won't go away. You'll run away with it. It will catch up with you sooner or later. Lord, help me now. Where is Shama? Scripture says, He stood in the field of lentils. In other words, a pea patch. Here is Shama. Loss, astonishment, desolations, his name he was born with. But yet God's name perhaps is echoing in him. But that name didn't come about to years later, remember? Ezekiel was the last one who gave the last name of God in the Old Testament. So Ezekiel comes along later. 
So somehow, Shama's going to have to get some grit inside of him and say, fed up. I'm fed up with being fed up. Surely God has a plan here in the struggle. Anybody listen to me now? In the midst of the struggle is where God shows himself strongest for his children. He can never be strong if you're running. He's always having to chase you. Hear me. He'll have to follow hard after you, pursuing you, but he never lets up. And somewhere along the way, he catches up with us, and we get something inside of us and no more. No more. And somehow I feel that's Shama. He'd lived with his name, lost, astonishment, desolation, far too long. So everybody's gone, and you're alone. What does he do? Well, somebody says he's also like that man in the book of Judges named Shamgar. Remember that? Who was fighting the Philistines, and, and he didn't do it with a sword. He didn't do it with an army. He found an ox goad, a bone of an ox. And the scripture says Shamgar took that ox goad and he slew hundreds of Philistines with it. Not by himself. We know he couldn't do that. But God was with him. And I have no doubt that Shama remembered Shamgar. If Shamgar could stand alone, I can stand. And I can defend what is mine. Amen. Hear me, church. Somebody has to stand their ground somewhere in this body as well. Amen. And say, not me. I remember Leona Cutsinger. When I came here 36 years ago and, and somebody made a statement, I'm standing out there in the foyer, and somebody says, well, how long is, is, is Pastor Mark going to be here? Because, you see, the process had been run, run, run. Two years, three years, four years. The longest had been four years of a pastor who really, I don't want nobody to send this tape to him, but he literally ran away. Because here's was the reason. There's so many demons in that city. And he says to us, every pastor we know is trying to get out of Portage, Indiana. Well, need I tell you that when he told me that before I came here, I didn't want to come. <laughs> if everybody wants out of here, why would I want to go there? <laughs> But God opened the door, and we came 36 years ago, determined, I'm going to stand the ground. I'm going to defend what is God's. And hear me, God has been so faithful. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's praise Him. God has been good. <laughs> May I tell you that had we ran away, and there were times, Walt and Wendy were here, and Tina was here, and others, it would have been easy to run away. When a councilman in the first meeting I had with the pastor's council said, well, I gave you two weeks, you're going to put a for sale sign out on the church lawn and sell this building. I said, you don't, in my mind, I didn't argue with him, you don't know God, <laughs> and you don't know the church of God. We don't do things like that. So fighting, they had lived with this, this 
depressing spirit for so long. You can only live with that garbage for a certain period of time. You've got to shake yourself free from that or it's going to win over you and you're going to run like everybody else. And it's not God's will for His children to run away. Amen. Stand your ground. Now notice, this field of lentils, let's call it a pea patch. The people had gathered in the field with Shama. Why are they there? Well, one speculation is that it's harvest time. The peas have been watched over. The ground had been broken up. The weeds had been pulled out. They had carefully watered it day after day to make sure they would have a harvest. And so this day they go out into the lentil field, the pea patch, and Shama's in the middle of it. What reason? To harvest their peas. But all of a sudden, and I imagine this, the Philistines showed up. They hate harvest. They don't like it when the people of God are being fruitful and productive and moving forward and the Philistine spirit is still prevalent even in God's church today. When you are at the greatest point of your harvest, the temptation sometimes can be run away. You're about to come into your harvest. I imagine before they saw the Philistines, they heard the noise of the trampling hooves of the soldiers on their warlike horses. And Shama standing in the middle of the ground, he heard the noise. May I tell you that your adversary, the devil, makes a noise first. He makes a noise. As a roaring lion... Because he has frightened God's people with noise before they ever got into the battle. They heard the noise of the soldiers coming. And the people began to run when they heard the noise. I've heard a lot of negative noise in 50 years of pastoring a church. But I want to tell you, you and I both have got to listen to what heaven is saying rather than what earth is saying. Yes. Oh, we're surrounded. You'll never get out of this. You're never going to be victorious over this. But if you stand your ground with a Shama spirit, look out. God is waiting on somebody who is going to stand true to him and fight this fight of faith so he can reward them. God is still a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. Amen. All of a sudden they see this, the armor. They see the shimmering of the spears. And fear gets a hold of everybody. Fear is a big proponent in causing people to run. Become afraid. And you run. May I say to you, once you start running, if you don't stop somewhere, you will keep on running, messing up your life and messing up everybody else's life that you're involved with. Amen. This man whose name meant lost astonishment, disillusionment, looking around, nobody's there. 
it's me and God. May I tell you that when it's only you and God, you're still in the majority. Amen. God's not depending on the might of man to help you, but you're depending on the might of God, and God is still Almighty God, who is able, who is willing, who is ready, if you'll let Him. And Shammah must have had a faith. This, this man he was following, David, the sweet psalmist, meaning the sweet singer of Israel, who sang the psalms over and over to build himself up. Shammah heard the songs that David had sung many times. And they began to give him faith when everybody else is gone. I'm going to live or I'm going to die. I'd rather die fighting than to live running. Mm-hmm. Amen. He stands his ground. Why, pastor? This is my harvest. This is the harvest of the people who have planted these peas. And I'm not about to let the thief steal what he has not done one thing to produce. This is my harvest. Can I tell you? I don't know where that's, that slide is. Go to the next one. Wow. Next slide, please. Let me pull it to my mind. And I've already shared it. And I need to reemphasize it to you. Because somebody in this room is getting ready to run. Somebody is getting fed up. Because there's no let up. And you're going to do what you've done all along. Run away. No more. No more. Your life depends on it. Your family depends on it. Your children depend on it. Your future depends on making a stand somewhere for God. For truth. And for righteousness. Your harvest. Here's the man in the field of peas ready to harvest, but he can choose to run or stand his ground. I'm not giving up the seed that I have planted. The harvest of faith that I'm leaving God for. What is that, preacher? We don't have peace. We don't. Your harvest is believing God for your healing, believing God for your provisions, believing God for the salvation of your loved ones. Do you not understand? Do I not understand? Almost we're at the point of reaping what we have been praying for for years. For a great harvest to come. And when you run away, hear me, the harvest is so close. But when you run away, there's a distance that becomes between you and your harvest. And we start the process again. And here's what the Lord will say. I had you here before, but you ran away. And I've allowed you to come again. And you're going to have to make a choice. Believe what you see, what you feel, or what you know to be the truth of God's Word. 
and begin to reap your harvest. Anybody want to start reaping here today? Lord, I want to see my children saved. I want my loved ones saved. And they'll never be saved if I don't stand my ground and defend what you have promised to me. Now, I've got a whole lot of preaching to do on running away. But I'm not going to spend time with it. Beth, come to the piano. But hear me, if you will, just bear me with this. I don't know which slide it is, whoever's operating that back there. Uh, go to those points, the PowerPoint slides that are pre-made. I want you to listen to these things. Might help if I'd help them out. There it is, wow. Listen to it. The lessons you need to learn will never go away until you've learned them. It is impossible to run away from a problem. It may feel like you've run far enough to lose it, but it will rear its head out to you again in a different form. Anybody found that to be true? The next one, please. No matter where you go in life, there's always going to be the one person that wants to bring you down. So stay strong. And face your problems instead of running away. It's always going to be one. But you've got to learn to stand your ground. Next one, please. I like this one. Why should you let go of yesterday? Because yesterday has let go of you. Wow. Lock that one in. It's gone. And yesterday's forgot you all together. Next one. Love is not running away or giving up. It's standing and fighting for every moment. Because every moment is precious when you love life. And seize it with all you've got. Next one. We can't solve problems by using the same kind of thinking we used when we created them. Sink it in. You're not going to solve the problem that you're in by using the same information <laughs> that got you there to start with. Now, some of you are a whole lot better at this. Uh, Sister uh, Dottie puts on Facebook a lot of beautiful sayings, and a lot of you are that way. So I'm doing this. I don't do that on Facebook. I do it on Sunday morning. So listen to these. Next one. Say it with me. He is a man of courage who does not run away but remains at his post and fights against the enemy. And this last one kind of sums it up. Stand with me, please. Within the covers... Hallelujah. Within the covers of the Bible, the answers for all the problems are the answers for all the problems men face. Now I ask you today, do you believe this word or don't you? And some of you are going through a lot of struggle right now. God, I'll tell you, God switched this whole message around this morning, and the Holy Spirit planted this into my heart. When troubles don't let up and you're feeling fed up, don't run. Hallelujah. 
Stand your ground. Defend what you know to be the truth in God's Word, the promises of God. Hold fast. Because God has brought you there for a setup so you can win the battle. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you take us to where we need to be today. Thank you for Shama. Thank you for all the Shamas in this world. Thank you for Shamas in this house that have stood their ground, defended the truth of your word, and they reap the harvest of their prayers, of their faith. I pray, Father, that you just deal with that runaway spirit that's trying to lie to somebody here this morning because they'll never find peace by running away from their problem. Let them find Jesus, and they'll find peace. As we come to the Lord's table today, Father, remind us again, for us, He died. He died that we might live. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name.